0: Welcome to the JLA cast, a podcast about life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC universe and beyond. My name's John, and I'm the writer and creator of
1: Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ, and I'm the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's The Troll Tooth Wars. And PJ, um, finally, the
0: Venn diagram of our lives has, uh, you know, we finally hit peak Morrison overlap. We've got JLA in one hand. Doom Patrol in the other. Uh-huh. Smash them together. And you get um oh, what was it? The Thirteenth Circle by John Byrne. No. Uh you get <laughs> How dare you? you get issue five of JLA year one. Yeah. God, that's yeah, a bad you do. book. Can I just put it out there? I know I know we don't we never miss an opportunity to slag slag off John Byrne, but good grief, that's that's a, an underwhelming, uh under, <laughs> underwhelming JLA uh uh book.
1: Have I read it? I must have read it. This is towards the, the end of the main JLA book, wasn't it? Yeah, this is
0: the bizarre thing where it's, you know, a series that started with the Morrison run, continued through the Wade era, and then you get this weird kind of wobbly, it doesn't quite, I don't know, well actually no, then you get the Joe Kelly stuff. Yeah, and that lasts quite a while, doesn't it? Yeah, and I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, and then definitely in the latter days, where I think, as you said, you can tell the book is on its last legs because uh, maybe they're running out of ideas and stuff. You get this, you get these weird kind of
1: books that don't quite hit. Like Kurt Busick comes over for a while, after yeah, to do a sequel to JLA Avengers with the Crime Syndicate, which is weird. It's it is weird, and it's it's odd actually because being as we are both
0: big fans of the Busick Perez run on. On on uh, on Avengers, um, I was very excited about that book, particularly because yeah. it was kind of a sequel to Earth Two as well. Yeah, um, but it didn't quite do it for me. And then you get this weird, like John Byrne, standalone story where the JLA are fighting vampires, but also they're introducing the Doom Patrol, but like it's a
1: version of Doom Patrol we've never met before. Do you know what? I, I've read it, but I do not remember it. And that is, you know, one of the worst things you can make, I think, is a comic that forgettable.
0: It's very weird. It's powerfully weird, PJ. And I because cause it's not even as if one of DC's soft reboots had happened throughout the no. duration of the JLA run. So the the Doom Patrol make a brief cameo in very, very, very brief cameo in the Mark Miller um. Ariel Olivetti, uh, no, no, no. Oh, What's his name? PJ? I, 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 Mark Pajarillo. Yeah, yes. the um, the best thing Mark Miller's, Miller's ever written. The the,
1: uh, the Amazon issue. The
0: Amazon score. Everyone's favorite. Uh, Amazon. Uh, the Doom Patrol make a little cameo there, and then like eighty issues later, we're meeting the Doom Patrol for the first time,
1: and it's a completely different team with new characters. That I don't even remember it as I say, but it sounds like I wouldn't enjoy it. I remember there was, because you seem to basically go every storyline would bring in a new creative team for a while on JLA. I remember, I think Chuck Austin comes in and does, do you know what, I actually think I remember quite enjoying his run, because I think I was expecting terrible things off the back of his Uncanny X-Men run, which was awful. Um, (laughs) But... And then after that, I think you sort of get into the um, Identity Crisis tie-ins and then the Infinite Crisis tie-ins and all that stuff. So, yeah, the book kind of lost its way, I think, a bit after the Joe Kelly run. There was no identity to it. Because, oh, God, this is where it gets a little woolly for me. So then we go from
0: kind of like, I don't even call them, like kind of flagpole events, like Identity Crisis and then you start getting the kind of doesn't new 52 hit around that time no sorry uh you get 52 sorry and then countdown to infinite crisis or is it countdown to final crisis or countdown to infinite Crisis? countdown
1: to no you you have identity crisis and then i think it's like a year later you have infinite crisis infinite crisis ends and you get the The mainstream DC books go to their one year later mini event thing, where it skipped a year, and that's when they did Fifty Two, which told the story of that year. And then at the end of Fifty Two, no, wait, what was Infinite Crisis at the end? No, there was some other thing at the end of Fifty Two, wasn't there? Was that
0: Was that Countdown though? Because they they, it was so popular, they did it in reverse.
1: Yeah, well, I think there was another event in between Fifty Two and Countdown. Um.
0: There was that brief, this is where I used to get, this is where I started to get confused because there's kind of like a World War 3
1: at the end of, um, oh PJ. It's is like it, in the middle of countdown, that World War 3 event. Is
0: it, is it the thing with the, um, oh wait, 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 no, is, is it the thing with the Four Horsemen,
1: PJ. It
0: might be. Because isn't it like uh, 52, one of the subplots is that all the mag scientists on an island, which is a very fun plot device actually, uh, are inventing four robotic beings, which are the horsemen of the apocalypse, but they're kind of like vessels for apocalyptian entities or beings or powers. Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. And doesn't that... Yeah, because then... Yeah, this again gets a little woolly around this time. And I have to say, I'm not massively familiar with Infinite Crisis, although that's not necessarily. I don't think I'm maybe the only person there because I think even DC like call it like the Middle Crisis, like the kind
1: of the Forgotten Crisis. I liked Infinite Crisis. It didn't blow me away. I've got the trade um, and some of the tie-in series as well, like. That's where, I think just before Infinite Crisis, you had uh, a one-shot that I... I My brain says that was called Countdown to Infinite Crisis as well, but that's the one shot, I might have got that wrong, where Blue Beetle's investigating this string of events and then he gets murdered by um, Maxwell Lord, I think, at the end of it. And then that led into then like a series of miniseries. So you had Villains United, you had the Ranthanagar War... Um, what were the other ones? Uh, Omac, <laughs> the OMAC, Omac project. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think there was one other one that I can't remember off the top of my head. But and they all then led into Infinite Crisis itself, which was where basically the the Golden Age Superman and Superboy Prime from who had been locked away and after Crisis on Infinite Earth had been watching and going, no, everything's too dark. We've got to come back and fix reality.
0: Yeah, and isn't it like, it's literally that Superboy Prime is, like, punching through universes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it is, yeah, and I guess because it's after, like, 52 deals with, it's picking up the pieces from some of those events. Because I know, uh, you know, 52, which I I still think is quite an interesting concept. Um, Mm. (laughs) Even if it did kind of usher in the DC editorial staff's obsession with the number 52. Yeah, well. Which is just bizarre. Um, but like, because uh, yeah, because it was meant to be a year without Batman, Superman or Wonder Woman. Yeah. And it and it, it kind of elevated all these C, D and G list characters. But I know Wonder Woman pops up, makes like a little cameo kind of out of costume uh, in the series. And, you know, she's dealing with the fallout of having murdered Maxwell Lord. Yeah, and isn't,
1: Um, I think Clark Kent's in it as well, isn't he? Yes, briefly. He's lost his, he he did something which drained his powers for a year.
0: Which I'm assuming that was something Infinite Crisis related.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, but we know that when Superman loses his powers, all he needs to do is kickstart them and go electric blue for a bit. Come on. I know, (laughs) he didn't, he didn't dig deep inside himself. He probably could have, could have done that. Um, I do remember Infinite Crisis has some lovely George Perez covers. Oh yeah! Because he didn't didn't draw the main series, but did do covers for it that were absolutely. There's one of Superboy and Nightwing that just I, I absolutely love is ingrained in my memory. Oh no, that is so fitting as well.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, and then I kind of forgot where we're going with this, but yeah, so so it was kind of like the tail end of the JLA series is definitely like winding down into some of these kind of micro events. Then you get fifty two. Then countdown to Final Crisis, Final Crisis, and then it's New Fifty Two, isn't it? Then we're just full reboot. No, Final no? Crisis
1: because it's it's after. There's more after Final Crisis, and then you get Flashpoint, which leads to the New Fifty Two.
0: Oh, good grief! You're right. Yeah, and that leads to like weird moments where because it's after it's after Fifty Two that Morrison's Batman run begins because the opening premise is that Batman has had a, a vacation for a year where he's been recharting his original kind of uh, pilgrimage.
1: No, Morrison's run starts before that because Morrison's writing it during Final Crisis because he killed Batman twice in the space of two months, in Batman R.I.P. and then in Final Crisis, and uh, no one really cared. But doesn't that give you, because you've got 52
0: and then you've got Countdown to Final Crisis, which is another year yeah although i guess 52 is written after the fact isn't it it's like what happened after the time jump so you're yeah. right i guess Batman's morrison's batman would have started earlier
1: yeah but then because because then the 52 thing happens after flashpoint and like some books like the batman books just sort of carry on as if nothing's happened green lantern did the same there was a oh. cliffhanger at the end of Jeff John's Green Lantern issue whatever before the 52, and then 52 issue one just carries on oh, as if nothing's is, happened and other I books know. completely reboot it.
0: This is where, I guess, if you were willing to look closely enough, maybe some of the issues with New 52 were there from the start. You yeah. Know, like, if you're going to reboot, you've got to do it fully. Like, I remember um, picking up... I, I DC put out, like, a weird kind of... Not quite a graphic novel, but not quite an issue of um batman incorporated Mm. which i I very much enjoyed there's some fun fun stories in that it's kind of like it was like kind of 48 pages it just about had a spine on it but i think it came with a note literally like an editorial note at the start of the second story just saying like this story takes place before uh before the new 52 and then during, like, the kind of reboot of Batman Incorporated, where for some reason it just started numbering again, uh, even though it wasn't a reboot, uh, I've said this before on air, uh, mid-halfway through a story, everyone's costumes change. Yeah. Because now it's the new 52.
1: Yeah. It's bizarre. It's really just one of the strangest things. <laughs> Yeah, I think I checked out of DC around Final Crisis for a while. I was like, yeah, this, none of this is really working for me. It's just confusing. And yeah. then I tried to check back in with the new 52 stuff, and I was like, nope, still not working. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny, isn't it? Because they tried so hard to launch
0: 52 new titles. I was reading an article, I think, last year. It was like a kind of post-mortem of the new yeah. 52. It was quite interesting, actually, talking about a lot of people who were there in the moment and some of, like, the broken promises which were made. And it does seem like they were so saddled with this idea of 52 being a significant number, trying so hard to get 50 new new titles out, when there wasn't necessarily an audience for 52. And also, kind of, some of those stories, maybe it's charitable to say, hadn't been fully planned out. Like, um... Uh, oh, I can't remember the creators, but I think some of the team associated with Static Shock mm. were saying like just what a nightmare it was to be involved with that, like weird editorial decisions that made no sense, and then just kind of it just quietly dying because I don't know. I, I don't want to blame the creators. I, I think it's more a combination of
1: I blame editorial,
0: editorial, yeah, and um, the weird direction,
1: yeah, yeah. Ah oh, well. Yeah.
0: Hey, but it gave us Rob Rob Leefield drawing Grifter. Oh, well. There's a famous cover where he's kind of holding a gun, but it looks like a kind of whipped cream foamer.
1: Of course it does.
0: Why? Why not? Yeah. That. Ugh. Sorry, we could spend a whole we could spend a whole series talking about Rob Leefield's use of perspective. Um, I mean, <laughs> but PJ, for a better sense of perspective, uh, JLA, where
1: are we? What's we happening? should cover news first, John, because there's been some news. Oh, my oh my life. News? I, I'm, I'm in a cave, PJ. What's happening? Casting for the new Superman film. Oh, yes. Uh, Superman Legacy. They've cast Superman and Lois, and that's fine. I don't know the guy they've cast as Superman, but, you know, fine. I think uh, Rachel Brosnahan is a great choice for Lois Lane. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Hmm. But it's, it's some other characters they've cast. Oh, uh, yes. So... We've got um, uh, what, what's her name? Ah, oh, um, Isabella <laughs> Merced. I might have pronounced that wrong. Is playing Hawk Girl. Uh, Ed Gathagi, he's playing Mister Terrific. Now I don't, I haven't seen either of those actors, but again, just the fact that this new Superman film is going to include Hawk Girl and Mister Terrific, okay. And they've cast Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner, which is really. Yeah. D- w- wow. Yeah. Now, I know Fillion has voiced Hal Jordan a number of times in animation, and he's done a really good job of that. And I do I do really like Nathan Fillion. I can see him playing Guy Gardner, so that'll be fun. That's brilliant casting, actually, yeah. Um, and then Anthony Carrigan, who I'm vaguely aware of, has been cast as Metamorpho. All in James Gunn's new Superman movie. Well this is this is of course
0: uh very exciting news for any any uh JLA cast uh, uh listeners. Um <laughs> I think uh we're all just hoping for uh Metamorpho to uh do an evacuation from an exploding uh, JLA satellite. <laughs> Are we? Oh uh, well, I mean now but like Hawk Girl makes me think of the JLA animated series. Yeah, That's same. interesting. Mr. Terrific is a weird pool.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And and Guy Gardner as well. Instead of you know Hal or John Stewart, I feel like would be the more obvious choices. Well, that's interesting, isn't itself, isn't it? Because I be I be thinking, okay, if I'm
0: if I'm sitting behind, I don't know the writer's desk on this rebooted, reimagined DC cinematic universe. You're doing a Superman. This is a Superman movie. This is day zero. What do we do? I'd be thinking, like, well, do we just go clean? Like, do we just go, let's just tell a really good Superman story? Yeah. With little baggage, just a pure, elegant, comics faithful, hopeful Superman and leave it at that? Or do we introduce other JLA characters, like, kind of seed this new thing?
1: Oh, well, that's did... it. I feel like that's the mistake that Zack Snyder, or one of the many mistakes that Zack Snyder made with his movies, was he did the Superman film and then the very next film is Batman versus Superman and he includes Wonder Woman as well and it's called Dawn of Justice and it's like, you're trying to run before you can walk. You've got to set your universe up properly before you start trying to form your Justice League. Well, you've also got weird things where, like, you look at something like the Black
0: Adam movie and yeah. I know, and I know that's obviously not you know not really a benchmark for continuity because it's still I'm still a little unclear as to how on earth that's supposed to work with things. Like it's in the Shazam universe, I'm guessing, but there's kind of like does that mean it's the same universe as Superman and Batman? Mm. Uh you know, all that all these kind of questions. But then you're getting the JSA and who who look very colourful, you know, which look quite kind of comic accurate. But it, it's this kind of like by by I don't know, you scraping for lack of a better word, by kind of scraping these characters because they haven't been done yet, you're actually creating more 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 issues. Like isn't it bizarre that we're gonna see Guy Gardner before we see Hal Jordan or yeah. even Jon Stewart or Kyle. You know, these are these are this is weird.
1: Yeah, and I don't you know, I Superman isn't the first film in the new slate of DC movies. Um I know Blue Beetle's coming out soon. I'm not sure. No one's really sure yet if that's like a holdover from the old old regime, and they're just pulling it out, or if that is actually going to be the first film in this new version of DC Universe on on screen. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, I still don't know if, even though it feels like James Gunn has a plan, I feel like it might be an overly complicated plan at this point. But you know, we will see.
0: Mm. I mean, he has a. Proven track record of taking obscure characters and Mm -hmm. making you care about them. Yep. So I, I, I really have very little doubt that these characters will be fun when they're on the screen. I guess the question is, uh, is that is dealing with obscure characters what the DC universe really needs right now? (laughs) Like, you know, especially its first Superman film as well. Indeed. Yeah. Because. They all have baggage. That's the weird thing. You know, because if you bring Guy Gardner in, unless you're saying Guy Gardner is the only Green Lantern, you know, because you've got to assume that not everyone has the rich uh, uh, literary
1: background, but we do, PJ. Uh, Well, there's also every chance that it might be Guy Gardner pre-ring. He might not be Green Lantern in this film. He might just be there as a character seeding him for a future Green Lantern movie. Yeah,
0: but like with all due respect to Nathan Villian he's obviously a slightly um you know he's 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 a little older now with a lot of yeah. like leading leading characters so does that lend itself more to a guy Gardner who is running a bar you know because he was green lantern or something mm-hmm. like that uh you know that might be a fun way of kind of hinting at green lanterns um you know, and I, and I wouldn't be against, I certainly wouldn't be against, like, you know, introducing some of the other JLA members, but in a kind of soft way. Like, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Superman already knows all the League. Maybe the League are already a thing. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an origin story. They could just be each going about their own business, I suppose. Well,
1: I th- I think from what I've read, it's not going to be an origin. It is going to be a younger Superman but it's not going to be his origin story. He will already be Superman when the movie begins. Sure. But, uh, but well, you know, we will see, I guess. I live yeah. in hope. I know. It'd be, it'd, just, it, it'd be odd if, like... I'm glad it's got an
0: origin story. It'll be weird if we end up in a situation where, say, oh, I don't know, Superman is new to his career and the world is still adapting to Superman being a new hero, but then, say, Hawkgirl is already an established thing. Yeah. Or, um, you know, Mr. Terrific's been a hero for ages. Like, I I still, you know, our current reading material aside, PJ, I still have always preferred the idea that Superman is one of the firsts.
1: That's it. I think, you know, even in in post-crisis DCU, in the comics, it was always like Superman is the one that ushered in the new age of heroics and became the gold standard that everyone sort of tried Mm. to live up to.
0: Oh god, I guess like confusingly, we've had a Hawkman, haven't we? In Black Adam.
1: Uh, yeah, but Black Adam is not part of this new DC universe. So you can ignore that Hawkman.
0: Will but will the average cinema going, yeah, uh, fan <laughs> make that distinction? PJ, I don't know. <laughs> so that's a weird. It's a weird collection. I'd be yeah. going. Like, uh, I'd be like, who have we got in the? I'd rather see a steel. You know, like go from like a, a Superman supporting cast, like steel would be
1: good but i i feel like because so many people have tried to introduce steel in these things it's hard to do steel without that death of superman storyline i think i think it just makes the most sense that this guy is inspired by superman and superman's death galvanizes him to become a hero um they've done other retellings of it and none of them just quite work for me as well i think um, what about the Steel movie,
0: PJ, from the 90s? Starring Shaquille O'Neal. Indeed. <sighs> I think I wa- I remember watching that, like, years ago, before I knew what on earth, you know, I didn't even know Steel was a DC character. I think it just randomly came up on Channel 5 at 9pm. Mm. And I remember watching it and enjoying it fine
1: for what it was. I mean, you know, his name's Steel, but his armour looked like plastic, so... What are you going to do? Plastic Man, PJ. When
0: are we getting Plastic Man? Well, yeah, th- that's what everyone wants to know. I mean, I just want, I just want, I think James Gunn, right? Okay, I think James Gunn is the kind of guy who has probably read Morrison's JLA because how could you not, really? <laughs> uh, and unlike Zack Snyder, who I, I I think may have been like reading it in a slightly darkened room where none of the text
1: was visible, but just loved <laughs> and all, just all... reading Rock of Ages. In fact, just two chapters of Rock of Ages over yeah. and over again.
0: Yeah. Um, I I I I. Oh my God! Are we going to get hyper clan, PJ? No, because no. James Gunn can't name them. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but nobody can. Apart from apart from me, apparently. <laughs> and, I, and now, actually, I'm not so certain. I think I'm doubting my, I'm doubting myself. Um, but God, wouldn't that be an astounding opening, though? Yes, it would. Like, I mean, you wouldn't have to do like all 28 members of the hyper clan, but like. <laughs> Even just something reminiscent of the HyperClan would be a fantastic kind of introduction.
1: I think you can use a lot worse than the Morrison run as a basis for your introduction to the JLA on on screen in your new universe. Oh, my God, yeah. I think, like, you know, you'd have to
0: get the... They'd have to be adaptations, you know, Mm. loose adaptations. But, like, God, yeah, it's spectacle. Like, have the JLA fight a... Like a more of an environmental threat like Starro or, uh, you know, like um, do something conceptual, like something weird, like, you know, reality is breaking and then it's less, let's find something to punch. It's more like, how can we use our ingenuity, PJ, and powers and
1: creative ways? Do the Starro storyline. and Do the get, Starro get, story. Get the guy who's playing Sandman on TV. I know it's Daniel in the comics, but you could just substitute him for Morpheus oh on screen God. and have the same guy from the show. The uh, And of
0: course, James Gunn. He's done Starro. He has done Starro. He has done Starro. I mean, I... I th- and that's a fun movie. That's better than I expected it would be. I still haven't seen it. It's it's worth an evening, I say. Um, I'll watch it at some point. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm just... Man, just... Just try and bring some of the colour and energy across from the comics. That's all That's all we're asking for, really. And speaking of the colour and energy of the comics... Uh, uh, this, this issue... He's colourful and energetic. Yes, it did. Well, there we go, PJ. No, I was I I I missed the segue. It was almost so good. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh as we said right at the start, it is the, the, the crossover that everyone was was waiting for. Uh it's a weird crossover. I'm surprised it happened, and I'm glad it
1: happened. Uh the JLA are meeting the Doom Patrol. It's it's so weird that they the Doom Patrol are here for a two-issue guest appearance it's probably the biggest guest appearance in jla year one and that is just the the doom patrol who who would have thought it that they would be <laughs> i know it's 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 delightful um uh what uh pj what is your history with the doom patrol this was my first encounter with them um and i'm gonna be honest i haven't read much I only really guest appearances here and there in other comics or animated shows is, is my history with the Doom Patrol. Oh, what animated shows? Oh, they, they were in Teen Titans because of
0: Beast Boy. Oh, of course, yeah. It's that weird connection, isn't it? That Beast yeah. Boy was the adoptive child of, I want to say, Rita Farr and Mento? I think so, yeah. Whose real name I can't currently remember. But uh, I have to say, I... I uh, I'm not massively familiar with the original iteration of Doom Patrol. I want to say that, because I'm thinking there was the OG version that came out in the 60s. Then they were kind of out of print for a while. Mm. Then they reappeared in the uh, 80s, after the um, was it the invasion storyline, where the Dominion, a uh, Dominion or the Dominaria, there, there's an alien race uh, which detonated a gene bomb, yeah, that created a bunch of new superheroes. So an entirely new team turned up, which had some some of the original members, but also introduced a bunch of new characters. Didn't do massively well, I want to say.
1: Yeah, isn't that when they introduced? Beast Boy? Because oh. then that was in the early eighties and then in the mid eighties they moved Beast Boy over to the Titans for um Wolfman and Perez's new team Titans. You know, PJ, that's a very good point. Yes. I'm not I can't remember because
0: I'm picturing that iteration of the league, and I can't remember Beast Boy, Rita, or Mento being on it. So that's I don't know quite when that fell. Yeah. So it, um but then I think Morrison this is when Morrison and Richard Case came on board. And Morrison, I think, I can't remember who the previous creative team were, but they basically, Morrison was like, could you arrange for like, I don't know, like a load of them to like, maybe something, like have a big accident or something. Like a story ends with like, there's a big explosion. Some are hospitalized, some are killed. Some just want to retire. And then I'll pick up the pieces from there. I mean, you get the first Morrison storyline, which is Crawling from a Wreckage, which is um, a new weird, surreal Doom Patrol, which um, I absolutely adore. It's one of my favourite
1: series. (laughs) I should
0: read it someday. I really should. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of um, fun. It's the series that kind of gave us weird Morrison. I think it it kind of like cemented this idea that Morrison is this surrealist Dada-esque writer because like that Doom Patrol is is very very surreal. It's quite unsettling at times, which I I think speaks to the original nature of the characters. They weren't meant to be glamorous, or they were meant to be kind of freakish. You you didn't want to be the Doom Patrol, but uh, I think Morrison also drilled it right down to um, a uh, like a core team of like three basically. Mm. So in that iteration, we had Robot Man, we had Rebus who was a, a version of Negative Man who'd un- undergone a kind of incredible transformation. And and frankly, the character of Rebus is one of my favourite characters. It's like three entities in one body. Uh, like Invisible Man, but wearing... Uh, so like bandaged body, wearing a green suit and a black tie, uh, a trench coat and sunglasses and kind of just floating constantly, like it's such a weird visual. And introduced uh, the character of Crazy Jane, who had 64 different personalities, each of which had a different superpower. Oh, okay. And it was honestly like some genuine, like heartbreaking, beautiful storytelling in there. It's really lovely. It, it, it stuck
1: with me to this day. Cool. So that's yeah, John's I, recommendation. Sorry. There we go. John recommends the Doom Patrol. Uh, but yeah,
0: PJ, like weird, freakish, monstrous superheroics. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing you'd get in a JLA book.
1: Doesn't it, though? Hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so where are we, PJ? What, what's what been happening to, uh, to the old JLA?
1: Well, they've been, um, you know, forming a team, fighting menaces and just generally having a great time until that is, right, their civilian identities are struggling with the time they're spending doing their solo superhero careers and their league careers. And also Black Canary's just found out that... Um, mum had an affair with another member of the justice society I one of the many
0: one. one of the many teds
1: yeah starman i
0: want to say starman ted knight yeah
1: yeah why not why not uh, uh but also the original blue beetle had his arms taken away yes can you remember
0: the original blue beetle's name PJ? dan garrett wow good grief why <laughs> did I, I i'm sorry pj i shouldn't have insulted you of course you knew. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh Locus, the bizarre group of uh geneticists and random future scientists uh seem to have developed a device which can steal limbs from people and attach yeah. them to kind of purple goo monsters basically. Yeah. Uh and they've allied themselves with the Brotherhood of Evil.
1: Ooh.
0: Not the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but the Brotherhood of No, they're of Evil. different. Yeah, this is one of those weird coincidences, like um, um, there being two cartoon characters called Dennis the Menace, like a UK one and an American one, which yeah. seem to have just independently arisen around the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah, the X-Men, uh, kind of outcasts, hated by society, led by a man in a wheelchair. The Doom Patrol, uh, a group of freakish outcasts led by a man in a wheelchair. Um all evidence would seem to suggest that one was not copying the other. They just kind of appeared around the same time. Yeah, yeah, just one of those weird things, like a Bug's Life and Ants as well. <laughs> no, I think there may have been there may have been some industrial sabotage going on
1: with uh, Ants and Bug's Life. What about uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon? Can I use that one? Um, yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, so. Um, you know, the the JLA, they've got their own problems, you know, and uh but then locusts are up to something and I wonder if um that's gonna be relevant pretty soon. Nah, probably not. But yeah, so it's month it's May, PJ. Yes, so it is in, May. It, it's May nineteen ninety eight. Uh although no. I suppose it's actually nineteen eighty something.
1: Nineteen eighty. But I, I want to just, while we're before we start properly, we're on the cover and it's the Doom Patrol fighting the JLA, which is very cool. Uh, but I just want to. There's a couple of these characters in DC canon who are women whose power is growing and changing size, and they thought the best costume to put them in was mini skirts. <laughs> yes, indeed, probably a, a, a creative challenge for the art team that of their own making. Um, yeah. And it because you got Alaska Girl. I want to say Giganta, DC villain with similar powers, had that as well. And it's just like why that's a terrible idea. But anyway, I've I've said that now, it's out.
0: Yeah, my one, uh, the one, the one kind of gap in my Doom Patrol weakness is that I I literally have no knowledge, real knowledge of the character of of, of Rita Alaska Girl because mm. um, she's um, dead as of the Doom Patrol run that I I read although given that there's been like 14 rebooks since then i have no idea what the <laughs> current situation is i'm sure she's fine probably okay yeah i'm just sad we don't have crazy jane cuz you know she
1: was great basically <laughs> i'm very sorry
0: uh but yeah pj so um hey we opened in manchester you know yep. N- nice little uk
1: uk touch there manchester alabama john oh it's the it's the other manchester yeah Sorry, and folks. We've just got people reading newspapers and magazines about the JLA, talking about how great they are. Hey, not just any PJ. They're reading uh, the Daily Planet
0: and News Time and News Time, which is a great, a great name for a magazine. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but yeah, everyone is super excited, and you know what? It's believable. Like the JLA, they're kind of getting a bit of name, bit of a name for themselves as celebrities, and uh, it's 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 the only thing that anyone's talking about.
1: Yeah, because you've got one guy saying that. Green Lanterns stopped an earthquake, they met the President, Flash and Aquaman fought a whole invasion of space creatures. I'm wondering if those are actual 60s JLA adventures that they're just oblique references to there. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like how last issue happened at the end of the, just after the Starro fight. The one
0: failing of this story is that we never saw Starro.
1: Other than a little picture in a newspaper... Clipping, A little picture,
0: but but yeah, like, you know, we we could have had six six issues of pure Starro energy. It's, it's what just stops this series being great for me, pushes <laughs> it from good into great, is it's, the lack of Starro.
1: But that's true of so many comics. It's never going to get the PJ kind of platinum seal of approval, basically. Yeah, like, you know, so many comics could benefit from Starro. Dark Knight Returns, it's good, but where's Mistaro? Starro? Mouse? Mastaro? No, that's... <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um yeah so uh you know while while uh you know kind of like uh, the locals are reading the newspapers watching the news uh basically saying like uh, oh man the jla would never come to a little town like this uh some uh, shadow shadowy figures step out of an alleyway uh with a with a gun pj <laughs> yeah
1: and <laughs> they fire the gun and then we just get body horror as people are running around with bits missing. There's a man with some missing arms, another man who can't see, and his legs are gone. People's torsos have bits taken out of them. There's a guy walking around just with no head. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, uh,
0: no blood, PJ, no gore. Just kind of like hollowed out purple chunks like people have just been play would Swiss cheesed. Just, yeah missing bits, and um, everybody's screaming, PJ. (laughs) Well, you would. Uh, Oh, and uh, we see uh, that um, at least two of the shadowy figures are the brain, who is a brain in a kind of little golden tank thing, and uh, Monsieur Malar, who is uh, an intelligent
1: talking ape. Yeah. Mm. He says to the brain, Master, have I pleased you? Have I? And the brain just says, we shall see, Malar, we shall see. And then we get our title and credits. So, A League Divided, Mark Wade, Brian Augustin, Barry Kitson, Storytellers, Michael Bear, Guest Inker, Ken Lopez-Letterer, Pat Garrahy, colorist, Heroic Age Separations, Peter Tomasi, Editor.
0: Um. Oh, and we should also say, PJ, that scanning behind The Brain and Monsieur Malar are uh, a bunch Purple of... Purple like- Monsters! Purple uh golem golemy creatures with big scary mouths. So yeah, yeah, body body horror. This sounds like a job for the Doom Patrol or the JLA. Or Superman. Or Superman. Um I wonder if um Wade finds decapitated people particularly uh, appealing because um there's a Daredevil story on him and uh Chris Samney's uh kind of like Modern, modern legend, a uh, modern, modern legendary run on Daredevil. Where, that is a um, great run on Daredevil as well. It's really good. It is very, very good. Uh, where a character called Coyote has stolen the powers of the Spot, recently seen in uh, Spider Verse, and has used that power to steal people's heads, basically. Yes. And there's a room full of decapitated, still-living heads, uh, which is quite quite an image, quite horrifying. <laughs> what fun. So good old Wade, Mr. calling uh, in the horror field, basically.
1: But then we, we cut to the JLA headquarters, where someone is studying files about the League and their personal identities, and it's that man whose name I can't remember that has recently befriended Aquaman.
0: Yes, it's the... You know, PJ, here we were... Worrying about Locus when really we should have been worrying about the the Coast Guard. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was actually the Coast Guard who were the secret villains all this time.
1: Yeah, and he's he's sort of looking at the file, saying no questions, not anymore. This is just the information Locus needs to. And then he's interrupted as Snapper Car is in the duck saying, "Is that you, Aquaman? I'm coming down." And Snapper Car comes down, and the room is empty.
0: Dun 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 dun. But we also get to see the uh JLA kind of table, you know, the big meeting table, which mm. is fun, with the official JLA logo on it. Which is nice. The same logo shared by uh the Morrison run. Yep. And uh, we also see Black Canary's uh symbol on the back of her chair. Yeah. Which is a lot like the Black Hawks. It is a lot like the Black Hawks symbol.
1: Hmm. So
0: just just putting that out there. <laughs> uh Benway PJ, there's no time no time to be hanging around. Uh there's there's a flood, PJ and the JLA are intervening.
1: Yeah, Green Lantern and Aquaman are here and uh Lantern's trying to put a dam in place to stop the flood and Aquaman's diving down to rescue people in the trailer park where they are who are stuck underwater and Green Arrow is also there helping out. Uh yeah, well, well, PJ he's he's actually saving a good
0: number of people with a trick arrow.
1: Yeah, he he fires a line so I can grab onto it, and they're like, I didn't know you were a member of the League. And he says, no, I'm just slumming it. Now reach out. I do like the idea of Green
0: Arrow having uh, an anti-drowning arrow, which is actually (laughs) like an arrow with a balloon on the end. So he'll shoot you, and then you're in pain, but you're floating. Yeah, well, that's the main thing. But you are attracting sharks now because you're bleeding out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, but of course Aquaman is in his element, basically.
1: Yeah, well, uh, someone says, you're in the JLA, right? And he says, apparently. But then I, he's, he swims down to a trapped car and just starts wondering, why is he in the JLA? I don't, he doesn't have superpowers. Does he fit in? Yeah, because again, by, as he has repeatedly said,
0: he's not superpowered by his scandals. He's like, no, this is just me, basically. I've always been this way. And uh, he's like, you know, there's a lot of good times to be found under the ocean. Like, why am I wasting... Why am I wasting time on the land, basically?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then he finishes rescuing people, pops up to the surface and says, it's all clear down below. How can I help up here? And Green Lantern says, it's fine. I've got it under control.
0: And, um, yeah, once again, kind of uh, Hal, kind of hogging the limelight, limelight basically. And admittedly, <coughs> you know, the ring will be very useful in this situation. Yep. And um, the Green Arrow, who, again... Not really a joiner, he's happy to just be on the periphery, but um he's commiserating with Aquaman and saying, like, oh don't worry about him, he's just being a glory hound
1: I do Again. like that he says, Relax, Gil, can I call you Gil? And Aquaman says, Can I stop you?
0: <laughs> and um yeah, and uh Aquaman is still salty about uh Green Lantern kind of dismissing him. Um
1: but yeah, it looks like there'll be plenty of work to keep them all busy, PJ. <laughs> Yeah, they've got to do the clean up work, and Aquaman's like, "You could just do it all, Green Lantern." And Lantern's like, "No, this is a job for all of us." <laughs> There's but no hey, glory they, in this.
0: They they wish for Flash was there, but uh, Barry is uh, busy doing work. PJ, in fact, he's working so hard uh, that his uh, his tray is uh, rapidly diminishing while his out tray is filling. Like he's he's a blur of activity.
1: Yeah, but then his boss walks in and says, why is your desk always so clean? And Barry says, well, I've been working. And he says, when? You're always late and you leave whenever you want. You know, what What else are you doing? And Barry's all like, uh... uh, uh.
0: Yeah, and now, I mean, I think the results should speak for themselves. I think, yeah. uh, I think his boss is being unreasonably harsh on him here. But Agreed. admittedly, he is... Because he's done all his work, he is making a massive uh, chain out of paper clips, which probably <laughs> doesn't
1: look good. Basically, yeah, yeah. So his boss just says to him to at least look busy.
0: I know, but 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 also like the massive out tray is like it's right next to him. Someone else did that. Oh, I guess he can't prove it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. I <laughs> thought I guess Barry could just pick up his boss and move him to. The Antarctic. And then run back. And then it's someone else's problem. And Barry has a stress-free
1: life. Um,
0: I think no that's murder, we- John. Ah, uh, well, if you have a flash and no one catches you, if <laughs> no one saw you, it's not murder. I, I think that's how that works. This is a secret superhero code, PJ. Like, they, they teach you this on week two. Do they? Yeah. If nobody oh. saw
1: it, it's not murder. Uh, missed week two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but the phone's ringing. And it's, uh, it's Iris, uh, Barry's supposed fiance. I although he's not spending a lot of time with her.
1: Yeah, and he's he's like he was out with friends, and she says, look, again, I'm losing patience, I miss you. Is there anything I can do to hold on to the Barry Allen I know? And he thinks, not really. It's looking more and more like Barry Allen no longer exists as the flash runs off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the, for the fastest man alive, he seems to not have he just really doesn't have time for everyone sadly um and uh, so we cut back to the JLA the most iconic JLA headquarters for JLA muddy cave where uh, green lantern and aquaman return uh, both covered in mud and um yeah i don't know aquaman still seems a little
1: uh, a little salty about it all yeah he well he says well, why, why do we leave green arrow behind shouldn't we offer him membership and hal says Oh, I hadn't really thought about it. He's, he doesn't really have any superpowers, just trick arrows. And Halcomb says, I don't have any superpowers. Oh, I'm just going to go get clean.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, so, but, you know, Jean, Jean turns up while, uh, you know, Hal kind of just lasers himself clean, which is, you know, nice and convenient. And, um, you know hal is like he wants he wants to have his cake and eat it too pj because he's like uh, he's like john john like flash where were you like we needed you and hal's like we and flash is like well you didn't you didn't call us
1: yeah i love this snapper car there in the background just goes are you kidding The all powerful green lantern send a distress alert with the jla signal device call in help i'm sure he had it under control right gl and i love that snapper has just nailed hal there he's got him down 100% and hal knows it yeah and to house credit
0: he does admit that yeah he, he has a flaw there he he could call for help more often but uh he says like but ultimately though you guys have got my back if i ever need you right I'm like yeah of course of course even canary where is canary by the way and then she zooms in on her bike yes perfect timing really and um you know and shockingly you can tell something's wrong uh
1: she doesn't want to talk about the JSA, which, which is, is such exciting. a shock. Even Jean has a big surprised look on his face, <laughs> which I find hilarious. Yeah, like this is uh, this is Black Canary still still reeling from some
0: very personal revelations from her mom, basically. So she is perhaps a little disillusioned with the old guard at the moment, uh, and uh, particularly having just found out that her mom had an affair with Starman. She says, "Look, okay, let's cut cut to the chase here. I know we don't know our real identities, but just tell me right now, are any of you married? You know, like let's just get this out of here now. Is anybody married?"
1: And, and John uh, pipes up and says, "Before Barry or Hal can say anything, John just says, "I am, or rather I was." And then he he tells them about his history on Mars and his now deceased family. And it's a very poignant sad
0: scene. Yes, it's not really what anybody was expecting, basically. And um, yeah, and you realize that once again, someone on the team has a lot more kind of depth and pathos than any of them have noticed, really. And um, yeah, and uh, even because Flash apologizes, like, you know, wow, we, we, we had no idea. Uh, but Jean very quickly changes the subject and basically starts talking about Locust because he's been investigating. Because he is a manhunter, PJ, he's a detective.
1: Yeah. So he says, he's, he's, let's review it, and Aquaman walks back in, clean now, and he's, he's very glad to be looking into Locust because he, he does point out bringing them to justice was one of the reasons we banded together in the first place. Why are they after us, and who are they? And John says, well, we're still not sure. Um, evidence suggests they're geneticists, but other sources refer to them as survivalists. He doesn't know how much the two doctrines mesh, but whatever their motives, they are ruthless. And then he hands them some files and says, see for yourselves. And Barry says, well, nice work, but why didn't you share any of this information earlier? And Jean just says, oh, it didn't occur to me to do so. And Aquaman thinks, great, some team. Are all groups this disjointed?
0: Once again, once again, like, I feel I I just, you know, we've had Barry's boss giving him a hard time, you know, because he's done the work, but not in a way that satisfied his boss. And, you know, I'd be like, oh, thank you, John. This is very kind of you yeah you know you know it's not like why why didn't you tell us earlier you know i'd be like barry cut him some slack he's trying yeah
1: exactly god this this team you know right they're so disjointed as aquaman says let's see if another team is that disjointed hey pj i'm sure i'm sure no other team could be that disjointed so we cut to midway city where the thing is carrying a big device and the human torch sorry no um That's the relationship, isn't it? Yeah, everybody, hello and welcome to the most Fantastic Four, non-Fantastic Four team you could hope for. <laughs> Robot Man is carrying a big old device, and Negative Man is interfering and making him drop it. I mean, to be honest, if I
0: was, you know, Reed Richards, or, you know, Niles no, Caulder or any kind of genius trying to manage a team, just because I have somebody on the team who is super strong... I would not, like, I don't know, the track record doesn't seem great here. Like, how many times did the thing drop something? It was usually the Human Torch's fault, though. I know, but I don't know, you're meant to be a smart man, Reed Richards. Like, there's a track record here.
1: Well, the what you do then, whenever, whenever you want the super strong guy to move something, you chain up the light flaming flying guy. <laughs> yeah, or maybe, maybe, like, Reed actually had a very important piece of
0: equipment in the other room, which he'd already moved into place... And then he was like, he builds like a a, a sacrificial, less useful one, you know, just to just to give like Ben something to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Yeah. yeah. uh, Anyway. So so uh, Cliff Skeel robot robot man is is carrying a big device uh, and he's being he's being bedeviled by negative man, a.k.a. Larry trainer, I want to say. I'll go with that, and uh, yeah, who looks very much like the Human Torch, but in 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 silhouette, and uh, yeah, basically due to their antics, uh, the device is 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 smashed. Basically,
1: yeah, yeah, and then Robot Man chases after Negative Man, saying, "Yeah, you. When I get my hands on you, I'm going to shove a carbon rod up your." And then a giant hand comes in between them, and Elastigirl is here moaning that she's surrounded by children and ordering robot man to let negative man go because it turns out if negative man isn't back in Larry's body within 60 seconds they both die that's a hell of a superpower
0: yeah it's uh I I find negative man just just a, a fascinatingly weird weird character like the way the way his powers work are just bizarre yeah and again, again, another recommendation. If you want to read the uh, the Morrison Richard case run on Doom Patrol, uh, they take the negative spirit, which is the entity, if you will, inhabiting Larry, to a whole other level. In hmm. that, yeah, very interesting.
1: But, there- but Elastigirl's now got Larry and Cliff in her hands, and they're arguing with each other. And yeah, then Niles rolls in in his wheelchair, and he's like, "Stop it! We've got a mission." <laughs>
0: Oh, I should just say quickly, there is a, there was a, I want to say like early 2000s, maybe, reboots of the Doom Patrol, which was it was not like a, not like a reboot reboot. It was more like a completely different team, but with Robot Man as a mentor. And that had a new negative man on the team whose power was he could see briefly into the future. Oh. And that's why he was negative all the time. Because <laughs> he saw, he saw the bad things that were about to happen.
1: Oh, that's a shame.
0: There you go. That's fun. Hmm? Uh, but yeah sorry so yeah it's uh, Professor X I mean Niles Calder the chief and uh, this looks like a job for the Doom Patrol PJ
1: yeah they found out that the Brotherhood of Evil has attacked Manchester they're stealing bits and pieces of human victims and grafting the body parts onto big purple Frankenstein things and apparently Uh, this is our chance to defeat the Brotherhood once and for all and I would say
0: like kudos to Niles Calder for basically hitting the nail on the head like you know right out of the gate he's like oh yeah no it's, it's not like something weird is happening in manchester it's basically like oh no it's the brotherhood of evil you know <laughs> and they're grafting body parts onto
1: people so it's yeah, a very is- a very silver age scene this like even the dialogue like this is our chance to defeat the brotherhood once and for all i'll be monitoring your progress through cliff's chest camera go and robot man responds we're gone daddy oh color us for moost come on gang let's go whistle some dixie
0: Yes, it is. It is. Um, uh, it is not uh, naturalistic dialogue, PJ. I believe. I believe they're going for a thing here. It does yes. seem very retro.
1: Yeah, but I love that about it. Yes,
0: it's kind of, and again, I, I'm just, uh, yeah. It's, it's nice to see the Doom Patrol relatively happy. I guess you know, <laughs> business as usual. Yeah, they're, they're generally not a very happy group of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah we cut back to manchester alabama where not only have the poor population had a lot of their limbs removed um they're now being attacked by terrifying purple monstrosities um
1: who are genuinely
0: quite horrifying to look at
1: yeah yeah and the brotherhood of evil are on a roof looking down at them and madame rouge isn't enjoying it she's like this is this is revolting and then some guy who I thought at first might be T.O. Morrow, just tagging along, but no, he's some guy named Morden. I have no idea who this guy is. Oh,
0: oh PJ, PJ. So uh, you're in for a treat here. So Dr. Morden uh, was a... I believe he did briefly appear as a member of the Brotherhood of Evil or an ally whose basic power was he was a scientist and he made a big robot once. <laughs> and And that's it. But, but PJ, he has a life beyond the original. Oh, uh, yes, because in uh in the uh, uh the Morrison run of Doom Patrol, I'm going to be like a cracked record this this episode. Um, Morrison introduced a new group of villains because good and evil were outdated. So he introduced the Brotherhood of Dada, <laughs> who were a group of surrealists anti-villains who just wanted to cause chaos and surrealism and as an art movement. And they were led by Mr. Nobody, who was Dr. Morden. Oh. Yes, who had, uh, fleeing the, the wrath of the Brotherhood, had fled to South America where he took refuge with a Nazi scientist who'd fled the war. Who um, subjected him to weird experiments, including trapping him in a perfectly spherical white room and injecting an epidural below his neck and pumping him full of hallucinogenics, I believe. So, trapped in an endless, from his perspective, endless white void with no feeling, no sense of hearing, all he saw was white. Uh, His brain started to generate weird imagery to fill the kind of isolation. And he saw a black speck appear in the center of his vision. And he was like, it's either a tiny object or it's some horrifyingly large, massive monstrosity very far away. And it got closer and closer and closer. And then uh, the room exploded. And what emerged was Mr. Nobody who looked like a Picasso painting come to life. He was like a two-dimensional man. Wow. And everyone described him as being impossible to look at. Like you could only see him out of the corner of your eye. He was an entirely abstract man. (laughs) That sounds insane, but in a fun way. And I believe in the Doom Patrol TV series, which is on my watch list, uh, Mr. Nobody is a villain, and uh, he's, he's played by Alan Tudyk. Oh, that, yeah, well... He's great. There you go, there you go. So sorry, yeah, that's for potted history of Dr Morden.
1: Yeah, so Monsieur Maller shouts at Dr Morden because Morden's like oh, this is going to bring the Doom Patrol right to us and Maller's like, no, you give me your obedience. And the, <laughs> the brain says you know, we want people to come, but we're going to have test subjects for creating new bodies with this gun and they're on their way now. Yes, this was all part
0: of the plan, PJ, because imagine what you could do. Well... Imagine what you could do if you had some superpowered limbs lying around. Oh, I could do so much. Mmm. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, so um the league are 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 flying to uh I mean, you can tell this is like the early days of their Scarp company because um they don't have the teleportation
1: pogs mm. and uh they don't even have like a like a quinjet or anything like that pj no so john's sort of flying under his own steam as is hal but hal has also created a big sphere of water for aquaman to swim through the sky in and a sofa for flash and black canary
0: <laughs> yeah and um flash and black canary who have been growing very close of late um well black they're having a chat and black canary canary's basically like look okay I just found out my mom wonks had an affair with a with a married member of the JSA, to which Flash's response
1: is <gasps> which one? It's like, no, that's not the point, Flash. Like <laughs> Yeah, because Flash has also just said that he admitted he has a girlfriend, but that he can't talk to her in the same way he can talk to someone else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I... Canary's basically admitted, now I know the JSA are only human, and in this job the worst thing you can do is let yourself be human. You have to live up to the hero role. Yes,
0: and uh, we're also getting a bit of theming coming in through the dialogue, PJ, because um, Black and Airy points out, you know, they're not freaks. You know, we weren't born different, um, but, you know, they became they became different the moment they stepped into the hero role. So. Yep.
1: But hey, speaking of freaks, PJ... Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're in Manchester and the Doom Patrol are already there and they're arguing with the townspeople saying, look... We're not here to make things worse. We're actually here to help. I'm sorry you're not comfortable with us. And then the townspeople are like, look, it's the Justice League, who don't look any more freakish or outlandish than these three people, but we like them more.
0: Yeah, and, um... You know, uh... You know, the, the Doom Patrol are a bit like, uh... Oh, man. But, um... You know to to their credit the jla do come over and, and introduce themselves so you know everybody everybody kind of like shakes hands and you know says well looks like it's going to be a team up <laughs> i love that they go straight to that like there's no there's no skipping around basically
1: yeah yeah well that's you know that's the marvel way of doing it isn't it have a fight first but this is just straight to nice to meet you let's team up and aquaman hasn't heard of the doom patrol so the flash fills him in says they don't make the papers much people find them unsettling they're all accident victims, survivors bound by tragedy, and then just gives a roll call of Robot Man, Elastic Girl, and uh, Negative Man's powers and, and abilities and potted history. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um,
0: you know, as, as Flash again, uh, the man of the Man of Steel. Uh, sorry, not the Man of Steel, the fastest man alive, who <laughs> somehow is always putting his foot in his mouth. Uh, basically says you know well you know look at the doom patrol you know they're really lonely you know they're separate from the human race you know they're different uh you know they don't really fit in uh they'll never really be accepted and aquaman's just got to look at him he's like god yeah can you imagine how that
1: must feel like wow (laughs) i love aquaman's face in that panel as well it's like yeah barry kitson has drawn good side eye (laughs) good work but good well yes and
0: also good work barry flash barry for just (laughs) yeah I should say also, like, John, who's, uh, Jean, sorry, who's never been a slouch in the muscle department, is looking particularly hench on this page. <laughs> yeah, he is actually. He might be kind of like tensing his, his alien abs to like impress the Doom or Patrol. Or just shape shifting them to.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, the rest of the league are kind of chatting. Uh, you know, Larry, uh, is just like apparently every other, every other man in this series is hitting on Black Canary. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, this nice little, uh, kind of chit-chat in the middle of the street, uh, is cut short when, uh, oh yeah, you know that big army of kind of like zombie body parks? You know, we, yeah, remember them? Yeah, here they come. They're attacking.
1: Yeah. And they, the, the League and the Doom Patrol sort of leap into action as Robot Man says, we could have found them before they found us, but no, Rita just had to meet Green Lantern first. <laughs> and, um yeah the you know big battle begins you
0: know it's nice to have um a horde type battle you know you don't always get these but they're fun sometimes lots of mindless drones you can just let loose on
1: yeah this is a freebie pj these yeah. are freebies but robot man and negative man are arguing in during the fight and, and elastigirl's trying to get them to work together and Alan and barry are like jesus nice teamwork <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit of, little bit of sass, little bit of salt, you know, from from the Leaguers. Maybe, maybe they think they're uh, pretty hot stuff, PJ. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Bajon, uh, using his telepathy, points out that, uh, you know, we have to be careful. Like some of these creatures are melded to innocent, frightened victims, and uh, so yeah. So the mission is now, you know, take them down, try not to hurt them. And uh, you know, we we wanna we wanna fix this and save these people.
1: Yeah, and you do get a pretty horrific panel of a human face sort of pushing out of one of these creatures as Canary sees it, and it's like, oh my god. And um yeah, more body horror. Yeah, this is some dark, it dark is. stuff, yeah. It really is. I feel like this is sort of more the Doom Patrol vibe than the Justice League's vibe.
0: Yeah, this feels like um and I think intentionally so, a direct like you can picture the cover to what this would have been in like the 60s you know it'd be like you know my god let it just be like you know it'd be a little dialogue on the cover it'd be like my god this entire village has had their heads stolen by the cranial uh, criminal or something like that you know just like pure silver age stupidity
1: yeah yeah but this is it with a modern twist <laughs>
0: Yeah, God, like those, like those um, Superman titles, where it'd be like, you know, my God, that weird alien vegetable has turned me into a zebra, and if I don't learn to morris danks in twenty four hours, I'm stuck this way forever.
1: <laughs> that was my favourite issue.
0: How could you not buy that book? Like, I know. Just, yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> but Flash realises they need to contain the uh, the creatures, so he asks Rita to block their escape route. Canary will drive them towards her using her sonic cry. And then Jean will use his heat vision to melt the road into tar, and Lantern will dome the rest in in a pen. Uh, and then Lantern's like, I could have got them all if you'd asked, you know, Flash. And Robot Man says, oh, and you complain about us not acting like a team.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hal, if you're that
1: great, if you could
0: have done it all, why didn't you? Yeah. You know, lacking yeah. imagination somewhat.
1: Uh, he's showboating, isn't he? That's that's yeah. what he
0: does. Uh, but, you know... Uh... Cliff Robot Man kind of turns it back on him and is like, "Well, you know, not like acting like a teammate. Eh? You know, you gave us, you gave us some shade for not not functioning well." And Aquaman's like, "Ah, yeah, you heard that, did you? Sorry, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah." But Elastigirl has realised that the creatures were just a diversion to draw them in, and that there'll be another attack any second. Which is when Monsieur Mala walks up with his big gun, and Green Lantern says, "Right, let's get him." And while Negative Man says, "Wait, they're very dangerous." It's too late. Flash, Green Lantern, Jean and Black Canary are rushing towards the Brotherhood of Evil.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, Aquaman and Rita are like the two most kind of level headed people in the room, really.
1: Well, yes, but it's also a surprise to me In to be honest that Jean rushes in with the rest of the league like this. I feel like Jean would be a bit more thoughtful and level headed about it. Maybe he just really wanted to fit in in this yeah. one moment, you know. Yeah, I I guess, you know, he's still early in his career as the Martian manhunter. I guess there's he could still be impulsive. I like that Dr. Morden is there.
0: He's just standing there behind and the I, rest of the Brotherhood. And I'm here as well. Yep. And with the Brotherhood. With, with yeah, just kind of standing in the background. And uh Mala fires fires his big beam and uh catches the four most well, apparently headstrong members of the league.
1: Uh, you know, point blank. Yeah, and you get some shots of them screaming as they're bathed in purple energy. And then Black Canary falls backwards and Aquaman catches her and, and asks what's wrong. And she can't speak. There's there's no nothing coming out of her mouth. And then, and this is grotesque, Hal is staring at his shoulder going, where's my ring? And his arm's gone. There's just a purple, purple wound there. And then Flash grabs Aquaman's ankle and says, "Why can't I get up?" And he's there's nothing from the waist down. It's horrific.
0: Yeah, and Zhong's uh, eyes have been taken, so he's blind. Um, I kind of feel I, I think like uh, Hal in particular got a rough deal here because he could have just taken the ring off. Yeah, no, I had to know. take Hal's
1: whole arm. Didn't have to take my whole limb, basically. <laughs> and then- from off-panel, there's a shout of Missing Something Heroes, an arm here, a voice box there. Well, rest assured, they'll be put to good use. And the brain now has a body made up of purple goop, Jean's eyes, Hal's arm, Barry's legs, and Dinah's voice box.
0: This uh, uh, this panel, this image, uh, oddly enough, is the image they use in the DC Encyclopedia entry for the brain. Really? yeah oddly enough yeah and it always confused me because i'm like what's going on what the hell is going on here
1: yeah surely they would use, i'm surprised they didn't use one of just like the the classic evil jar but i know i know it's it's such a
0: great look uh but hey it's it's a striking visual this creature is
1: is is unsettling
0: it's, it's
1: one of the images that really just stuck in my head from the very first time i read this book and it just lived there ever since it's one of the most i think most striking and defining images from this this whole run of issues for me I, and again like kind of not what you'd expect from
0: this series like it's a real uh it's a real heel turn
1: it's yeah it's such a bizarre twist for this for this for a jla book to have something so grotesque happening like that to to the league it's it's great i love it you,
0: you know it 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 only really just hit me but um obviously uh you know the brain has has composed a uh, built a body for himself which uh you know combines all the powers of the league uh you know including um Black Canary's sonic scream but does it also mean that uh this body has her voice as well I
1: Which I would be fun <laughs> That would be fun wouldn't it Yeah Yeah the brain suddenly has Black Canary's voice the thing is here, like um,
0: I and I, again, I I I'm not a I, I ain't picking picking no nits, PJ, but uh, surely surely Jean, you know, he's a shapeshifter, you know, he's lost lost his eyes, grow some new ones, no bother. Uh, we uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but we've seen uh, we've seen Jean become like like a, a pile of goo uh in the past, so. You know, Look, I'd be like, oh, it's fine. He, he's under a lot of
1: stress. Maybe he, he can't remember that that's something he can do.
0: Maybe this is why, um, you know, a team needs good leadership. You know, maybe in a year or so's time, like maybe Barry could have just said, hey, John, use your shapeshifting powers to grow grow more eyes. you would be like, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Never thought of that. Well, Black Canary thought of it, but she can't speak at the moment. So. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh,
0: you know, and of course, like, none of them have this, This, you know, being a retro story, none of them have pouches with which you would carry uh, a pencil, a pencil oh, and paper. right, a pencil. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you can... Not, <laughs> oh, yeah, fresh not eyes, eyes in a pouch, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, like, you know, she could write, like, a little note saying, you know, new eyes, question mark. <laughs> hey, Aquaman's fine. That's all that matters. That's because he didn't charge in impetuously with the others. No, indeed. Like, um, again, it's, it's, a, it's a different Aquaman. To to uh to what we would come to know in the Morrison run. Like uh an Aquaman who is less less overtly grumpy, I would say. I mean he's grumpy but in like a in a different way, like in a justified way, maybe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that modern Aquaman well, no, he wouldn't have even charged in, he just shot his hook hand at them and <laughs> cracked open the brain's case and killed the brain. Yes, probably. Yeah. Just, it just, I'm thinking back to the amazing moment in earth 2 where he's oh dex powering yeah what
0: does he call him like the gutless gutless coward or something yeah, like Gu- gutless yes. murderer yeah hits him with the harpoon and then just punches him out it's brilliant it's always very easy to overlook aquaman because he oh, doesn't yeah. he doesn't have the most um in, in iconic power in a way it's not big and flashy but like yeah. Yeah, like particularly against a Green Lantern or even an alternate version of a Green Lantern. Yeah, you take that, you take that ring out, you take the arm out. Yeah, one solid punch from the King
1: of the Seas, you're going to be lucky to have a head. Yeah, it is fun to compare that version of Aquaman to this one because obviously, with reading JLA Year One with alongside the Morrison JLA, you don't have Barry Hall and Diner. I think Black Canary has a couple of cameos, but that's it. Um, Jean. There is change, but not a lot. But Aquaman, the change in that character in that time. And it doesn't feel like it's a different character. It does feel like natural growth and, and who he's becoming in ten years. I can uh, believe... He's obviously the character who changes the most between books.
0: Yeah, and, and you're right. I, I can believe it. Like, I mean, here we have an Aquaman who, as far as I'm aware if I'm, you know, based on the things he's said, um, isn't necessarily aware of his own heritage. No, I like, don't think so at this point. No, so he's like, he's a bit of a mystery to himself as well. Like, he kind of thinks he's the only one of his kind. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, you know, if you have this indeterminate time jump between this and the Morrison run, you now have an Aquaman who is you know, very secure in his position as king of King of the Seas, and You know, I I can always picture also like he's had a lot more experience of living on land, of of being around people, of talking. So like all his kind of um, his issues communicating have gone, you know, he's more confident in himself. But yeah, also like the same things where he's now going like, oh, man, maybe I should just go live under the sea and enjoy quiet solitude. (laughs) Now he's kind of like, you know, no, no, I do live under the sea. And I'll have you know, it's a big place to manage.
1: Like I have a lot of responsibilities. So maybe back off a bit i can see that yeah exactly exactly oh but it's it's great (laughs) and you know some fun aquaman stuff coming next issue indeed and uh yeah it's it's it's
0: uh it's a guest story but um as is beginning to be evident uh it's also a nice little opportunity to um showcase some personalities like aquaman's gonna get a bit of a moment and um I think we're going to learn a thing or two about our our regular cast of characters PJ.
1: Yeah, I think we are. And you know, I think it makes sense that Aquaman is the one who would sort of feel most closely connected to the Doom Patrol.
0: Yeah, and you know what? That's a that's a smart that's a smart comparison PJ. That's what a smart creative team does. They go, who's yeah. gonna, who's going to connect here? Who's going to start to wonder if they're on the wrong team? <laughs> is it the Flash? It could be the Flash. Yeah, he's having a real hard time at work, PJ. He's too efficient.
1: <laughs> this is a fun story. I enjoyed it this. It is, yeah. And as, it, as I say, it was my introduction to the Doom Patrol, and so I, I really enjoyed it on that level and enjoyed meeting those characters.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really it's really strange that what is essentially a two, I don't know, maybe three part, depending on how you spin it, crossover should feel should be kind of like a kind of i don't know like a side story like yeah. a like a weird little diversion but it's actually quite integral to um to to the character development and I, I find it interesting that you know the team decided to spend so much time focusing on a doom patrol story i'm glad they did
1: yeah because it's like we've got the doom patrol for two issues the issue after that superman's gonna pop up mm. but just for a one part story And you'd think of, you know, between Superman and the Doom Patrol, who do you think would have the bigger appearance in this book? You'd think it would be Superman going in. He's on the back cover, you know.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed, yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know. And if you were going to pull upon another um, DC superhero team, you know, to make a cameo, I'd be like, I don't know, the JSA or... I don't know, the Teen Titans or, 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 or something.
1: Like, the Doom mm. Patrol
0: is not where your brain
1: goes automatically. No, not at all. And, you know, I said at the beginning, and I still maintain it, that you sort of feel Superman's shadow over the whole book, but he's not in it that much. But to have the Doom Patrol be key parts of two issues of this series is... It's... I think it's a bravura pull and I'm here for it. I love it. It's great. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I I agree wholeheartedly and it, and it's, it's it's not the kind of thing that arises by accident. I think this this only came about because the creative team had a had a big affinity for these characters,
1: you know. I think they they had an affinity and they can use the Doom Patrol to say something about the JLA and what the JLA was at this early stage of their careers as well. Yeah. Like it's it's the it's for dark. It's for dark mirror of the
0: jla isn't yeah. it it's, it's the avengers and the x-men it's you know the beloved team and the hated team yeah. um and yeah it's very interesting it's mm-hmm. uh yeah and it's just fun like i think i think everybody's having fun here yeah i agree yeah definitely and uh, um again I, I don't want to keep harping on about the morrison run but uh but yeah like uh Moncio mala and the brain uh name a more iconic duo i don't think it can be done um, uh, no, I got nothing.
1: Simon and Garfunkel. No, that's <laughs> iconic.
0: And uh, there's also a fantastic standalone story in the Morrison Doom Patrol that really explores the relationship between Monsieur Maller and the Brain, and it is a masterpiece. It is very, very funny and also weirdly heartwarming at the same time. So <laughs> I would recommend that as well.
1: I am definitely gonna have to read Morrison's Doom Patrol. Oh,
0: PJ, you got it. You got it, PJ. It's very good.
1: but Um, also oh get a little
0: green arrow appearance as well which is always fun yes i mean you talk about a hero who's kind of
1: haunting this book i mean yeah he's 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 always in the background isn't he yeah he's got a few and i don't think he has a major guest shot but he has a few cameos here and there just to remind us that he's around Mm, indeed indeed and
0: uh you know again leaning into the weird uh, retro like is this the 60s, 80s kind of thing but being told in the 90s um, it's a very it's a very you know classic Green Arrow costume you yes. know it's, they've not tried to modernise it or anything like he really is just wearing a very comfortable looking
1: green t-shirt <laughs> yeah that's it isn't it just green trousers and t-shirt the green domino mask and the Robin Hood hat Does do you think he's got the Arrow car at this point or the Arrow, oh, yeah, yeah. The Arrow so. jet yeah yeah, he's he's done all that copying Batman stuff. Hey, hey, hey. It was hey, Batman's an urban
0: legend, PJ. How could he <laughs> be copying something that doesn't exist? Oh. Uh, uh there, there yeah, you. all right, good point. Good point. Yeah. Um PJ, is there anything more to say about this wonderful little issue? Just roll on part two. Just roll on part two? Yeah, I'm excited. Issue, issue six, part two. This is fun, yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be rounding out the halfway the halfway point of the year as well. Good
1: God, yeah, halfway point of JLA year one. That's wow.
0: We're doing it, folks. I mean, I was going to say we're over the hump. Not that this has been a, a chore at all, but you know, we're we're getting there.
1: I am so relieved that JLA year one has held up because I've I've loved revisiting it, and there was a part of me because I hadn't read it for a while that was a little bit worried that it wouldn't hold up as well as I remembered, but. It really is i'm I'm loving revisiting this book, yeah, no, I agree it's 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 uh, well, again, and discovering this book
0: for me and it's a lot of fun mm. it's a lot of fun indeed, it's nice to um i uh it's nice to get quite a a straightforward, just fun adventure, yeah, yeah. like obviously, there's a lot of fun character stuff going on, but yeah it's it's just unabashedly telling a kind of silver Age romp basically yeah exactly. well told with with heart it's very good yeah agreed agreed um so i guess on that note pj if we've um if we've kind of exhausted this avenue of pleasure is there anything else you'd like to talk about uh no i'm i'm good today no i agree i'm much the same i think i think you know the doom patrol have uh rightly taken our focus uh so on that note i will thank the amazing gav mitchell for drawing our cover artwork
1: and uh who do i thank? elliot Red. <laughs> jesus christ my brother for composing and performing our amazing theme tune justice uh, oh.
0: folks we're gonna have to end this episode here I mean, we don't we don't want pj forgetting his other family members um <laughs> uh pj it's been an absolute pleasure uh could you please see us off in your
1: own unique fashion i was going to do a bit about the brain stealing my voice box but that would mean i'd be silent and that doesn't work in an audio medium so that would be a terrible way to bow out this episode